0: Hello. <laughs> So there were quite a few things that happened in the world of tech this month of September 2019. But here's just a few things that stood out to me that I wanted to talk about real quick. First off, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York announced two arrests on Wednesday, September 18th. On that day, police arrested Romana Leva, 35 of Las Vegas, and Arafo Hay, Bellarose, New York. They're both being charged with one count of wire fraud and one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Now, each of these charges carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison, although maximum sentences are rarely handed out in cases like this. Personally, considering what these two were involved in, I want them to each get maximum sentences for each charge. So according to the indictment, from March 2015 through 20, uh, December 2018, uh, 2018, the two were allegedly members of a fraud gang based in the U.S. and India that targeted uh, elderly people across the U.S. and Canada. The goal to snooker seniors into believing that their computers were riddled with malware so that they pony up thousands of dollars for bogus computer repair services. I don't know about you guys, but personally, I have a couple family members that fell victim to stuff like this, and it, it just angers me to no end, basically. So what they do, they cause pop-up uh, windows to appear on victims' computers that lied about their systems being infected with a virus better call this number the pop-ups urged to get some tech support to help you out sometimes those pop uh, pop-ups scared victims with dire warnings like don't restart or shut down your computer because serious it will cause serious damage uh, to your system and in com- including uh, computer data loss you'd lose all your files and pictures and blah 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 sometimes the crook even gustied up those pop ups with official corporate logos like the Microsoft uh, emblems and stuff like that, which, of course, they ripped off and which they had no lawful right to plaster on top of their bucket of lies from what the indictment refers to as well-known legitimate technology to a well-known legitimate uh, legitimate technology company. Now, the bottom line lesson here, folks. I will say this repeatedly at the top of every mountain with every last uh, breath in my lungs. Guys, no matter what you're doing on your computer, Microsoft Apple Google Amazon they are not watching and scanning your computer for threats viruses and whatnot their tech support will never ever just randomly call you and tell you hey we've been watching your computer and we noticed this malicious thing happened or we uh, scanners have detected there's something wrong with your computer guys please listen to this that's not true it is not happening Now in this age where there's a lot of scare tactics about privacy and what's wrong with your personal information tech giants are doing with your personal information and blah, blah, blah. Trust me, that's an entirely different manner. Uh, some some of that stuff is warranted, but the bottom line is they are not just sitting there watching you and watching your computer and scanning it for viruses, malware, and yada 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 and the likes of that. They're never going to call you. They're never going to send you pop-up windows. It's not true. Please, please, please don't fall for this. If you know people who um, y- you think may be vulnerable to this type of attack, please reiterate this to them because what they will do is just scam you or them out of thousands and thousands of dollars that's the bottom line now hopefully these two and they the gang of um uh, i'm just gonna call them <sighs> worthless thieves i just have no respect for them i hope they get the book thrown at them I, one thing i cannot stand is unethical hacking there's nothing cool about it you're just a, a thief, bottom line, period. Anyone who gets caught doing this kind of stuff just deserves the maximum amount of prison time and fines that is uh, afforded to them. That's my opinion on it. <sighs> now, speaking of hacks, on Friday the 26th, we learned that millions of DoorDash customers found themselves the victims of a massive hack That exposed personal details such as delivery addresses, emails, and more. And it wasn't just those who ordered food, Uh, those using the platform to to deliver the food, known as dashers, as well as some of the merchants, also had their data accessed by hackers. DoorDash said that 4.9 million merchants, dashers, And customers were affected by the breach, specifically those who began using the service before April 15th or I'm sorry, April 5th of 2018. Now, supposedly, if you joined after that date, uh, you're all clear and you're all good. But you guys, come on. We know we know better than that at this point. Now, DoorDash announced uh, the breach in a September 25th press release, uh, taking pains to insist that it takes the security of their community very honestly. (laughs) Now, you know, like I'm saying, you know, if history has taught us anything, when a company opens a press release with that sentence, you know, it's not good. Basically, when they say, well, if if you signed up, After April 5th of 2018, unfortunately, guys, chances are that's that's not true. More than likely, all the data that uh, DoorDash had in its possession regarding uh, customers and merchants was exposed and potentially, you know, uh, stolen. That's that's just the bottom line truth of it all. Now, the company says it discovered the breach earlier this month and determined that an unauthorized third party got access to DoorDash data on May 4th of this year. Now, according to DoorDash, that data includes names, email addresses, delivery addresses, order history, phone numbers, as well as hash salted uh, passwords. And that's just um. Any any passwords that may have actually been um, to the human eye, they were covered up. Now, DoorDash also indicated that for some customers, the last four digits of customer payment cards were um, that, they, that was also included in this hack. So, you know that that unfortunately leads the data breachers down a further path of being able to hijack some cash now uh for some dashes or mer- uh, dashers and merchants it also uh also in the breach was uh, the last four digits of their bank account numbers and approximately a hundred thousand dashers had their own driver's license numbers accessed Now, I know I was kind of harsh on uh, that uh, press release from DoorDash, but I I just want to step back for a second here, guys. I just want to remind everyone of one simple truth about the digital age we live in. Now, often our gut reaction is to say, look, these guys should have done better. The DoorDash guys should have done better. They put together this product. I trusted them, and then they let this happen. Now, what, if you don't understand how all this works, you guys have to remember, the, I'm not dogging DoorDash, and you shouldn't either. The likes of companies like DoorDash, security protocols are in, definitely in place. In fact, they cannot operate these types of businesses without these security protocols in place. The problem is thieves will try to find another way around. Another way to look at this is simply this. If you don't understand how all this works, please understand this one thing. These online services, these apps, um, these websites, especially when it's dealing with anything financial, they are constantly under attack. There isn't a time when someone is not poking at them trying to get in. As a matter of fact, as I'm speaking right now, there are constant attempts to attack the likes of DoorDash, to attack the likes of Amazon, to attack Apple, to attack Google, and so on and so forth. It's a constant nagging. They're like, these guys are like little fleas. They just keep nipping, 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 nipping nipping until they can find that one small opening. Now, if that small opening was an oversight or if it was an oversight due to a vulnerability that didn't exist previously, it kind of doesn't matter because the point here is these guys, the thieves and crooks, they're constantly trying and once they get in, they get in. Now I will give DoorDash credit for, um, you know admitting this relatively quickly you know they let everyone know look this happened and we took steps to correct it and trust me once they corrected it the whoever the the thieves and hackers that got in they immediately tried again because it's a, it's also important to remember that if you don't understand how this stuff works it's not necessarily how it looks on the commercials. There's no guy sitting in a dark room with a hoodie with his head down, just sitting in front of a computer. That guy with the dark hoodie on, he sat down in front of his computer maybe once and he created what's called a bot, which is basically a program that just runs constantly trying to get in. Once he gets that hit, mission accomplished. But chances are he's already moved on to someone, some other target and is trying and trying and trying. So, I, I say all that to remind everyone once again about something I talked be uh, talked about before in regards to uh, privacy and personal security. There are two important takeaways here. One of them being, like I said, these companies they do their due dil- uh, diligence. They try their best to protect your data and their data because let's face it that's their bottom line. The success of their company relies on the security and integrity of the data that they possess. The second point is we as consumers also have to be sure to do our own due diligence and take care of ourselves. We got to get out of this mindset of whenever something bad happens, we got to stop saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe they let this happen. We got to also remember to get into the mindset of even though I'm using this service or these services, how can I also protect myself? As I've mentioned before in previous uh, episodes, one of the first important steps is to use a password manager like LastPass. Now I I don't say that because LastPass is a sponsor of this show or anything but LastPass is an important tool and password managers like it are an important tool and if you're not familiar with them please look them up. Basically what it is LastPass is a uh, password manager in that if you use an app or web line uh, any online service You don't think of a password to log in you let LastPass generate you a secure Truly random password to get you logged in in fact in this day and age in 2019 You honestly should not know any of your like online banking passwords. You should have a password manager that does this for you. What you should only have to remember is your LastPass password. Let that computerized uh, application handle creating you a truly secure truly random password because of the fact of the matter is i don't care how smart you think you are how brilliant how clever and how creative you as a human all of us humans when we try to think of secure passwords for multiple different sites we eventually fall into a pattern and this pattern can be broken and figured out and applied across All of those accounts. So why take that risk? Now, secondly, I told you guys about this application, which I love that I use all the time. When it comes to your own finances and doing anything online, especially any online purchases, use a virtual credit card uh, generating service such as IusePrivacy.com. I use this for recurring payments like uh, Netflix I use it for all of my purchases on Amazon and again if you're not familiar with it what it is is basically for lack of a better term you create burner credit cards now we're all familiar with burner cell phones I think by now this this service does that same thing so for example if you're using DoorDash Let's say, you know, it's your first time signing up for an account and it asks for, you know, a, a payment card to keep on a card. Now, of course, we would have, you know, first thing to just use our bank card that we use everywhere else. Instead of doing that with privacy.com, what you would do is you'd set up an account. And of course, at privacy, you would use your regular bank account. So all of these burner credit cards truly do grab money from your real account but the extra, the extra added layer of security is that anytime you go to pay for things with like DoorDash DoorDash only sees that burner account number so in the case that there is a breach the hacker and thief would only get that burner account number now the way I handle it is Whenever I'm using something like a, uh, a service that I don't use all the time like DoorDash, let's say I place an order, I tell privacy, you know, create me a card. As a matter of fact, when I'm online looking at that service, the privacy app icon is already there as soon as the fill in your credit card information form comes up. You click on that icon, it generates a card number with an expiration date, security code, blah, blah, blah. Use it to make that payment and then immediately after the payment goes through, pause. You can pause the credit card. Now what that does, the extra line of security there is, let's say a thief gets in, sees your credit card there, that privacy card and they try to get some money out of it guess what happens when it's paused? Any purchases they attempt are declined. And not only that, privacy alerts you that someone tried to charge something to that specific card. As a matter of fact, even the cards that you keep active anytime a purchase is made with one of those cards it lets you know, hey, by the way, you just spent $10 at Amazon. So again, Guys, you got to remember, even, you know, these breaches will happen. They're going to happen. They're going to continue to happen because the fact of the matter is nothing is perfect. Every time we get one step ahead of the criminals, the criminals take another step themselves. Knowing that we have to not just blame the services that get breached. We also have to take personal responsibility to guard our own information. The two things I recommend, like I said, and I kind of got into as much detail as I could look into LastPass and look into privacy.com as far as uh, using, you know, cards for online purchases. OK, let's move on from there. Sorry, that got a little a little bogged down, but I, that stuff is very important to me. And I think it's, it should be very important to everyone because people get ripped off all the time by, you know, criminals just stalking in the background just waiting for whatever chance they can get to pounce (coughs) now in case excuse me now in case you've been living under a rock um you 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 know that apple just had their keynote this year you know there were new iphones and of course uh some new services now it remains to be seen the best uh what the best of these are Although thus far from the chatter I've been hearing, it appears the latest uh, Apple Watch iteration with an actual watch display may be a front runner. Apple has even been uh, playing up to this in some of their recent commercials. Uh, Now, also one of the other things that I've been hearing that uh, has been getting a lot of positive attention is Arcade. Which I can agree with. I mean, you think about it. You pay a flat monthly fee for hundreds of ad-free games and titles, which also removes that pay-to-level-up barrier that developers sometimes just have to include, you know, in order to make some money for the work they put in. I mean, in my opinion, that's a win-win. Because I mean, you think about it, you know, we all got so used to these free apps. But the problem with free apps is you got to either put up with ads or anytime you progress so far into a game, you got to pay some actual cash to move on. Well, um, Arcade removes that barrier. Because basically you're paying a fee that uh, Apple will distribute to those developers accordingly. So they don't have to put those kind of barriers in. As a matter of fact... If <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, Google quickly followed suit with this uh and and put up what's called play Google Play Pass. So, you know, I give kudos to Apple for this. Um now unfortunately Apple TV Plus looks quite frankly anemic at the moment, but I think we'll just have to wait and see how this one unfolds as it is now. Um personally I can't see Any value in it for anyone. Uh, It looks like they got what? Six shows uh, produced by Apple. Now they're running some pretty cool looking commercials for those shows. But mm, that's about it. So I guess, you know, let's just wait and see how that one unfolds. And of course, Amazon had their big event this month too. Now, which is great and all. But although personally, I don't think the devices that Amazon announced were, were as amazing you know, they weren't that, really that amazing in my opinion. As much as the one thing that Apple, or I'm sorry, Amazon has been really good at, they, they've they been pricing their devices in a way which makes that barrier to entry for those who are new to IoT devices feel more comfortable with the money they're spending. I mean, to date, the likes of Google and Apple, especially Apple, have had a tendency to price these devices at a premium level. Amazon has managed to introduce many similar products at more compelling price points. So, you know, you can get yourself an Echo Dot, you can get an Echo Show, and they're, you know, they're not extremely expensive. But again, to be honest, I I just personally don't see anything that I would necessarily call innovative other than the introduction of the 900 megahertz network protocol that they've called Amazon Sidewalk, for which they introduced a reference design dog tracking device. Now, Fetch itself is a bit gimmicky and a niche device in my opinion, but the use of the 900 megahertz band is compelling, and I'm interested in seeing what the future holds for other devices operating on it. Now truth be told, I feel like we've reached somewhat of a plateau on the consumer IOT device level, much like we've reached on the cell phone level. These things are cool and can do some interesting things, but we're at the point where we're seeing a lot of devices from different companies that all do the same things. The only difference at this point being, what is your digital assistant of choice? Do you like Siri, Alexa, or Google Assistant? And to be honest, (laughs) even though I'm all in and the made by Google devices and products that uh, integrate with Google assistant. I have a feeling we're going to see more of the same with Google's October event, aim types of home devices that Google already makes with some tweaks and improvements. In other words, I think we're just seeing incremental improvements and not necessarily new things, but a maybe Google will prove me wrong. And as Apple continues to roll out their, you know, as their products seem to come out with some fanfare and then develop over time, maybe they'll prove me wrong too. I don't know. Like I said, it just seems like we're seeing a lot of the same old, same old, just with a couple little extra, you know, frills here and there. And then there's Samsung. Now I don't know about your you guys' opinion on this, but I, at this point I'm questioning. You know, should they go back to the drawing board or just scrap the fold altogether? Because if you didn't, uh, if you haven't heard Brian Heater, the hardware editor at TechCrunch, whose previous Galaxy Fold did not have some of the issues that we saw with a lot of the other folks, you know, back in April, has had his Galaxy Fold fall. Uh, fail after using it normally for just one day now apparently after one day of full normal use, his phone suffers from what appears to be frozen pixels I mean of course, the phone has been turned back to uh, it's been returned to Samsung for inspection, and more than likely they'll just replace it but honestly i I don't think there's much to say here other than that this is what happens when companies like Samsung scramble to be hashtag first. I don't like to knock innovation, innovation, but I'll say that personally, this whole folding phone craze just simply isn't that interesting to me, especially considering the current price points and the sheer bulk of the device themselves, the devices themselves you know, maybe a few years down the line, they'll be more appealing uh, appealing to me. But at this point, it seems Samsung is just trying to force overpriced beta devices at a premium onto consumers just to say they were the first to release a folding phone. I mean, come on, look at these things. I mean, yeah, it, it looks kind of cool when you flip it out. And let's say you're that ultra productive person that has a phone and then you need to quickly go to a tablet and you don't want to have to carry a tablet around because you know how hard that is it just reminds me of those infomercials when you know someone's advertising a great new knife and when they show how you 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 normally use an old knife they always put it in black and white and and the person that's using the knife is struggling and literally cuts off a finger because you know it was just so so bad (laughs) So, you know, having a cell phone and a tablet, carrying those around is just so, so bad. So, let's fold them together. I mean, just looking at these things, it's it's overly thick, bulky, and, I mean, is the convenience worth that? For me, personally, no. And at $2,000, basically, absolutely not. Recognize that sound? Well, if you don't, that's okay. That just means that you're probably not old enough to know that asteroids. The idea of asteroids was originally conceived by Lyle Rains, who was Atari's vice president of engineering in 1979. Ed Log eventually took the lead on the project and is credited with its programming. Now the game's uh, concept is simple. Shoot the large asteroids and break them into smaller asteroids then shoot those asteroids into even smaller asteroids but the the uh, the trick here was the smaller the size of the rocks the faster they would move this asteroid field puts the player in an ever-increasing danger zone of flying debris then UFOs were added to spice things up a bit and to keep the player from just sitting there shooting at asteroids Asteroids was designed on the same hardware as another one of uh, Atari's classics, Lunar Lander. Both games used the, used the high-resolution black-and-white vector scan screens in which the graphics are composed of lines drawn on a vector monitor. Yet, Lunar Lander never really became the worldwide phenomenon that uh, Asteroids did. Asteroids was so popular when it was released It replaced Space Invaders as the king of the arcade and gave Atari enough cash to finally become independent of Warner. Quite frankly, when Asteroids came out, I remember dumping so many coins into those machines. It is ridiculous. Have any questions or comments about today's or any other episode? Please be sure to email them directly to voluntaryinput@gmail.com. at gmail.com. That's voluntaryinput at gmail.com. Please also remember to visit my website at leojallenjr.com. There you can find product reviews, helpful cord cutting tips, and my personal musings, among other things. And feel free to select contact me there with any questions or comments. Also, if you're listening via the Anchor app, why not leave a voice message? Your comments may air on a future episode. Lastly, if you would like to support this show, please don't hesitate to donate any amount. Your support helps keep this show going and helps with plans for future expansion. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support.